Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. And to our guest, Dr. Sandeep Atre, Happy New Year. Uh, for context, this is our first recording in 2023. I'm really excited about it. Um, so today I'm joined by Dr. Sandeep Atre, who is a counseling psychologist and social and emotional intelligence expert and trainer. And today we are going to talk about social intelligence and the aspect that we are going to talk about it from is going to be social intelligence in the digital age, um, which is to me a new topic. I don't think I've encountered this topic before. And um, when I saw that there was going to be this discussion, I was kind of curious and I started to do some Googling. But, um, you know, I'm really keen to learn from our guest today. So Dr. Sandeep, um, actually Sandeep, uh, to be more casual and, and close, uh, thank you for joining us once again. We actually had a uh, trial recording last time and it did not go very, really well. Uh, but I guess both of us used our social intelligence to be really nice to each other and um, figured out a solution. So thank you, Sandy, for being here and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here, Lou. Thank you. So we would love to hear from our guests at the beginning. You know, I'm always keen to hear from people from their perspective. And I guess this is kind of um, related to our topic. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it because I find that whenever we introduce ourselves to new people nowadays in this digital age, it's kind of weird when you're kind of like, should I just look you up on social media or your website? Or should I actually hear from you? Or, you know, like, I feel like I've already known you if I've seen your social profile. But I don't think that is the case for me. I always love to hear from people. And so, you know, whatever bio you have or whether you have already set up a website, um, all that information to me would not be as great as the introduction that comes from yourself. Um, and with that, I would love to hear from you, Sandeep. would love to hear how you got to where you are today doing this work and why you're so passionate about this topic. Well, uh, Lou, you know, to me, uh, it is... There's a wonderful point that I, I heard from one of my mentors. It was that specialization is to know more and more about less and less. Mm. Uh, and probably that has been the theme of my life till now. Uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a trainer, uh, I started off with, uh, with, with a little broader spectrum to work with. And over the years, uh, I, I zeroed down upon the domain of emotional and social intelligence. And, uh, you know, I am, I've, I've done uh, a bachelor's in science, master's in, uh, you know, business administration, PhD in management, master's in psychology. So, um, you know, all these, all these degrees, they kind of led me towards the, the domain of my love. 
and that is emotional and social intelligence in fact mm-hmm. it so happened that uh, you know i i was uh, i was working on all the soft skills and then i realized that the fundamental skill of all soft skills happens to be emotional and social intelligence so it has been um, a constant uh, you know endeavor to narrow down and specialize oh that's really interesting i when when you told me about your different degrees and specializations i was just kind of trying to think management social intelligence psychology all of that how did that work out and i guess we're going to find out more in a little bit but right now uh, we always start our show with a section we called have you met dr sandy atre so we would love to get to know you hear some recommendation from you um, and it's a really good way to get to know people when we hear about what they're interested in so are you ready for this section absolutely Okay, let's start. My favorite question of all time is what is a book you would recommend to anyone? Would you want an honest answer? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, We're here to be honest. Know, one of the books I have authored, uh, you know, has just got published on uh, you know Amazon. It is called The Two Pairs of Everyday Wisdom. So, <laughs> you know, even in oh. all my modesty, that is one book I would like to recommend. Uh, wow, however, I love you know, that. <laughs> having said that, congratulations! Um, thank you so much, Lou. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, um, oh, I and love having, that. Yes, mm. Having said that, uh, there are three other books that have had a huge influence on me. Um, one, um, uh, Dr. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, yeah. Robert Greene's Mastery, and uh, you know one of the most prominent sacred uh, texts of India that is Bhagavad Gita. So these are books that come to my mind. Hmm. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing not just one but four recommendations yes, on yes. books. Uh, yes. Yeah, we'll have to add a lot of books to our reading list now. And uh, the next one is uh, a bit more fun and visual for people that don't read very often but prefer something lighthearted or just something to look at. What is a movie you would recommend? The Terminal. Steven Spielberg's The Terminal. Tom Hanks. Mm. <laughs> I I love the simplicity. Very straightforward. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do as well and they can relate. Um so thank you for sharing that. What about a podcast? You're on a podcast today, but what is one that you frequently listen to? Uh well, unlike most of the people out there, Lou, uh, you know, honestly, I I I haven't really been exposed to the world of podcasts. And uh, I think I think I'll recommend this one. I'll recommend this one. Believe me, <laughs> this one. Thank you. However, I I I am really fascinated because when I when yeah. I hear this word podcast, I think the tagline yeah. that comes to my mind is uh, you know deeper knowledge for wider audience. And when you say deeper knowledge for wider audience, I think um, you know of course it is about again you know, dissemination of knowledge. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. To me, podcasts uh, are a way for us to learn more about topics deeply. And I think you know when we had a lot of YouTube videos um, previously in the early 2010s, um, that was kind of a way for people to learn. But that came with a lot of visuals, and so for me, I just love podcasts because of the way that it's just so raw and honest, and it's mainly audio. So you learn from the ideas, not so much so looking at. The visual, so you know, we're presenting a world through words um, and through insights, and I think to me, that's 
very important to focus on that learning because sometimes when you look at visuals, I don't know about yourself, but I get distracted. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. That's nice. What's the lesson? In fact, like, I still love YouTube videos to this day and I, I love ones that teach you about life. But whenever I watch them, I kind of get distracted. And I'm like, oh, wait, what did I just watch? What are the key ideas again? So I have to go back. Um, and I figured that, you know what, if I just don't look at the visual and I just listen to it as a podcast, it actually helps a lot. Very true, very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a little rant about podcast. But <laughs> the next one that I would love to hear is, who is your famous role model? Well, two of them. Or just Sorry. a role model. doesn't have to be yes. famous. Yes, yes. I think uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a celebrated psychoanalyst called, uh, I mean, his name is Dr. Salman Akhtar. And uh, I think I'm, uh, you know, I love that man for his profundity. And there's another mm. uh, role model of mine, and that happens to be uh, Robert Sapolsky, a uh, researcher yeah. uh, in mm. neuroscience, psychology. And he's, he's mm. a truly a rock star of science. So these two people, Dr. Salman Akhtar, Robert Sapolsky. Oh, very interesting. Uh, this is my first time hearing those names on this show. So I'll be keen to Google them after this peace, conversation. Peace. And thank you Absolutely. for sharing. Finally, we would love to hear from you. With, what is a course that you have recently completed or a course that you completed that would, you would recommend? I, I mean, honestly, I, mean, <laughs> I really do not, you know, nothing really comes to my mind. Uh, I, can I skip that? <laughs> because I really, you know, I don't have a particular course that I can, uh, you know. Yeah. So probably, probably the last one, if not recent, was, uh, you know, Paul Ekman's course on... Uh, uh, you know, nonverbal communication. In fact, mm. uh, you know, I, I, I am an entrepreneur as well. So, you know, we have an e-learning course that uh, that is on emotional and social intelligence. So, I mean, yeah. and it was really inspired by Paul Ekman's work. So I would like to mm. recommend Paul Ekman's course on nonverbal behavior. Mm. Very interesting. Thank you. Um, I, I guess, you know, when, when it comes to courses, some people ha have finished some but you know that has been a while you know I'm, yes. I'm not sure in your case even in my case you asked me for a course it's kind of hard as well but you came up with something <laughs> nonetheless for the spirit yes, of yes. learning and for the love of <laughs> learning thank you for sharing that um, and I guess that reminds me of just how much you're passionate about this topic that we're talking about today um, social intelligence because you know you're talking about you know verbal and you know, nonverbal cues and things like that. Very interesting stuff that we're going to talk about briefly. So now let's head to the next section where we're actually going to dive deeper into the topic of today. And as I said, I'm really fascinated about this topic. Um, I guess from my perspective, just before we start, um, I probably have heard about emotional intelligence so much that I find social intelligence to be something that's kind of like, wait, hang on a second. There's that as well, but I don't know much about it. So today, um, my, myself and the, the audience, we would love to learn from you. But because this show is about well-being, let's start broad and talk about well-being first. Um, we would love to ask our guest always, you know, how you would define well-being. Because you know, if we have 10 guests, they would have 10 different definitions. So I would love to hear yours as well. What does well-being mean to you? No, I think uh, for me, uh, well-being is about balance, about that uh, harmonious relationship between all constituting elements of life. For instance, mm -hmm. it is about, uh, you know, uh, being uh, 
physically fit psychologically healthy socially connected financially uh, sound professionally competent and personally fulfilled so it is about that balance uh, mm. in other in other dimension probably it is about uh, making sure that uh, you know you have nourishment for your body mind heart and soul so to mm. me well being is about balance mm that's a beautiful definition and thank you you know the given the context that we're recording this episode as we start 2023 i think it's just you know such a great way to be reminded about the balance that we need um yeah and in fact to me like one of my mantras in life is balance is key and i guess when you mention that in the context of well-being it's just such a nice reminder because a lot of the times when um i hear these definitions about well-being they can come from you know in different shapes and forms um and the word balance i've heard quite a bit even if it's not the key definition a lot of the guests have mentioned um balance in how we carry ourselves how we do things um and even in how we take care of others for our own well-being so that's quite interesting i guess the most fascinating thing is when it comes to balance each person has a very different way of looking at it and i wonder to you if you've noticed any misconceptions when it comes to well-being that might have to do with your very own definition because uh, you know we're all learning here even if um we're in our 20s 30s 40s even in our 80s 90s 100s you know i'm sure people are still learning about well-being and there might be misconceptions So um Sandeep what do you think uh, some misconceptions would be when it comes to well-being Well uh Lou I think the 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 biggest misconception about well-being is that people confuse it with happiness and uh, well-being and happiness they are two different concepts because I often say this uh in my workshops or in my sessions or even to my own clients that uh you know being happy every day is a very unhealthy desire in fact mm. uh, most of the people pick uh, wrong means if their end is happiness so well-being mm. is not about happiness for instance um, you know it is about uh, living all the emotions on your emotional palate so it is it is as much about uh, you know experiencing and feeling anger or fear or sadness uh as it is about happiness and satisfaction and as long as severity is not uh, you know huge severity is not very high i think negative emotions have an amazing role to play in balancing us uh, mm. just imagine there are so many people who pick addiction just because they want to be happy every day i mean if it, it's okay to be sad someday it's okay to be a little mm-hmm. angry it's okay to you know fear things I mean of course yeah. none of it none of it beyond uh, a certain extent but if you're not living it uh, all then it is not well being because at the end of the day if you want to be only happy it is about uh, it's like you know eating dessert all the time so why <laughs> would you do that you would like to have you yeah. know sweet and sour and salty and you know chilly everything yeah. so mm. that's that's one mis- misconception i've i've really seen people catching on to these days I don't know why mm. happiness has become probably a, almost an addiction. So happiness is the new addiction. Mm. Yeah. That's very interesting. You know, I find that <laughs> particularly interesting because I also host another show called 
uh, Sarah Boost, the Happiness Science Insights podcast beside this show about well-being. And what I told my colleague last year at the end of the year in 2022 was, you know, I've learned so much about both happiness and well-being and I'm just so lost right now. <laughs> the more I learn, the more I feel like there's so much more to learn and there's so much more to unpack because you're so right. We often confuse happiness with well-being and vice versa. And I guess um, the the thing that I find most important, especially out of 2022, is as I'm getting to do this work, you know, talking to all experts and everyone who's really passionate about what they're doing, I've learned a lot about, you know, doing things that would add to our happiness or our well-being. So one of the things that I did last year, and this is just before um, this episode will get released very soon, is we had a practice um, round where we picked a practice from our show and try it. So for this, you know, actually for, for this very show, I chose checking in with my emotions daily. And you're right. We cannot just have positive emotions all the time. Um, negative emotions are actually signposts. And that's what I learned the most from, from that series. And to our audience, if you don't know about this series, I think it was pretty fun for me doing it. And it's pretty fun to watch as well, hopefully. Um, so yeah, if you don't know about it, please feel free to check it out. But yeah, I tried doing the activity, the practice of checking in with my emotions every day. And actually on days when I had um, feelings where they were kind of emotions where they're kind of a little bit more on the negative side, I learned so much about myself because I can sort of pinpoint, oh, this situation taught me that I deal better with this or I tend to focus on so-and-so. Um, and it's good to redirect my attention on other activities and really focus on my well-being because it's about balance, just like you said earlier, and I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, it's just a little bit of um, a little bit of information that I would love to share because yeah, it's just exactly in alignment with what you you talked about. Such a nice way to begin this year with this episode. Wonderfully put. Thank you. Yeah, really good. Um, so you know, we've talked about well being, we've talked about misconceptions, and to today we're talking about social intelligence. So let's talk about it a bit more. So before we started this conversation, we were kind of talking about how we should frame the conversation, how it should flow. And I would love to ask you for a definition of social intelligence, but I would also love to hear from you regarding the difference between social intelligence and emotional intelligence, because you mentioned before that your work is really deep into such area. And um, there's that probably another kind of misconception when it comes to social intelligence or perhaps um, just misunderstanding or, you know, not enough education out there. So, you know, what are your thoughts on this and what are the key things that we tend to miss or we might not know about? Yes. Uh, Lou, I think more than misconception, I would like to do some disambiguation here. Uh, mm. You know, the, the, these terms, emotional intelligence and social intelligence, um, you know, something, um, I think it has been a, more of a matter of semantics than anything else. So before yeah. uh, Daniel Goldman uh, wrote his uh, seminal book, uh, Emotional Intelligence, in 1995, before that, uh, the content under these two terms, emotional intelligence and social intelligence, the content under those these, these two terms, they were constantly swapped and blended. 
so you know even if you go by the research uh, you know uh, literature you would realize mm-hmm. that um, daniel goleman inspired by a work of uh, two researchers uh, peter selovey and uh, john mayer he wrote this book emotional intelligence in in 1995 so he talked mm-hmm. about four uh, you know specific four skills one is uh, self management a uh, self awareness second is self management third is social awareness and fourth is relationship management so one is self awareness self management social awareness relationship management yeah. so yeah. he talked about these four terms under uh, emotional intelligence and then in 2006 he wrote another book which was again a, a pretty celebrated book and that was called social intelligence and mm. what he did was out of these four self awareness self management social awareness relationship management he picked these two and said these two come under emotional intelligence and the other two come under social intelligence so self awareness mm-hmm. and self management yeah. it is emotional yeah. intelligence and social mm-hmm. awareness and relationship management it is social intelligence and mm. that's when this whole joint term of emotional and social intelligence uh, you know caught up with everyone's mind so mm. coming back to uh, the definition of uh, social intelligence lu uh, social intelligence is very clearly social awareness plus relationship management but that is definition which was propounded by uh, daniel goleman now when yeah. it comes to my definition of social intelligence because you said your definition uh there yeah. is a model through which uh, you know i and our organization social agents which is into e learning space uh of of developing social and emotional intelligence we yeah. you know train people to through, through a model which has three a's so three yeah. a's are awareness attunement and adaptability mm. awareness attunement adaptability awareness yeah. is understanding of what is going on inside oneself attunement mm-hmm. is understanding what is going on inside the other person and adaptability mm-hmm. is choosing the most apt response on the basis of awareness and attunement so yeah. if you talk about social intelligence social intelligence is more towards how well can i right now you know make a uh, an estimate of what lu is going through what is going yeah. on in her mind so mm. you know right now the, the your face your gestures your posture uh, you know your backdrop Uh, what you have come here for uh, mm. you know you give me signs you give me signs that sandeep i think you are you are speaking a little you know too much you give me signs that you are speaking you know a little too little <laughs> you are giving yeah. me signs yeah. that 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 you are apologetic that probably you have said a little too too much or probably you know <laughs> so these you are signs too much <laughs> so so yeah. that's how it is so at mm. the end of the day i think uh, social intelligence is about ability to attune with the other person and adapt yeah. so that's what a social intelligence is hmm very interesting yeah i'm just at a loss for words because i'm processing all of that information but i guess for a lot of us it starts to make sense especially because we get taught so much about emotional intelligence but not enough about social intelligence yes Yeah. I'll just add an example to it to to probably clarify yeah, uh, further. Uh you know there are couples who who talk to me about their problems and uh, they would yeah. typically tell me that 
we are you know no more in love because uh, we, we don't even look into each other's eyes and mm-hmm. i often have to tell them that uh, you were not looking into each other's eyes because you were in love you were in love because you were looking into each other's eyes <laughs> you know mm. that's how it is but people are yeah. just not looking at each other people are just not looking mm. at each other look i mean we yeah. are not looking I mean, people are looking at screens you know yeah. go to any family and you would realize that social intelligence requires uh, looking at each other because when yeah. we look at each other then the mirror neuron system in our brain which is mm-hmm. which is the which is the you know root of empathy that get i mean that set gets activated yeah Wow, that's very interesting. Well, I mean, when you started to unpack social intelligence versus emotional intelligence, I my brain started firing off in all directions and I started to think about how we manage ourselves versus how we manage ourselves in the context of managing our other relationships and um all the activities that we are now currently doing on the digital space. Um and this morning I woke up to my screen time as well and I'm not going to say how how much time it was but it was appalling it was not not great at all. Um so I think from what you just said it's quite crucial for us to understand how we're going to carry ourselves um uh, with the knowledge of emotional intelligence versus social intelligence and especially social intelligence correctly because in this digital age you know which is the context of where we're basing our conversation on a lot of the interactions a lot of the relationships management which is one of the areas that you mentioned earlier is now done sometimes completely virtual Absolutely. you know if you don't get to meet uh, certain people uh, for example we would have long distance relationships with our family long distance relationships with our friends um and a lot of people are in long distance relationships romantically as well it's kind of hard to navigate that space um especially for me i i find it to be uh, sort of this battle between uh, do i you know stay more on it or less on it because i kind of want to be less online and be more present but a lot of the relationships that i need to take care of and manage are dependent on that virtual space. So there's so much to unpack and I'm excited to discuss more about it um in a bit, but the most important question right now is since we mentioned well-being and since you talked a little bit about social intelligence, what do you think about this relationship? You know, how would you define this relationship to really educate people about the importance of it? You know, a lot of people might say, "You know what? I don't really need to know about social uh, intelligence." I can do fine on my own. You know, I can manage my relationships, I can uh manage my social interactions just fine without having to learn about it. So, what would you say to be the effect between social intelligence and well-being and vice versa? Well, I think uh you know, there was this there was this interesting t-shirt quote that I I had read way back and that t-shirt quote was yeah. that uh, you know i i i was born with common sense uh, i went to school and lost it you know so <laughs> you know i think i'll, I'll try that. to take where can i buy it <laughs> i don't know but but i'll you know uh, i'll just take a cue from this quote and i'll i'll tell you something about social intelligence a typical yeah. quote about social intelligence similar to this one would be 
that I was born with social intelligence. Mm-hmm. I started looking at screens and lost it. Mm. Oh, so, I would love to buy uh, that T-shirt, Sandeep. <laughs> Do you have merchandise on this? I would love to wear that. that You're inspiring so me. You're inspiring me to launch one. <laughs> yeah, please. Oh, such a great product. So, great idea. So you see, you see, you know, you see, uh, you know Lou, if you, if you look yeah. at uh, if you look at a child, a child is born with social mm-hmm. intelligence for yeah. the obvious reason that um, he or she is looking at you all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, human beings are wired to connect. I mean, we are mm-hmm. not called social animals for nothing. Yeah. In fact, uh, when you talk about the relationship between social intelligence and well-being, the first point that comes into my mind is that most of us are now, uh, you know, again, this is not my line. I'm borrowing it uh, from someone I still don't know who said it first. But, uh, yeah. you know, we are going through illness, a lot of illnesses in life, a lot of illness. Yeah. Now, the best way to convert this illness is to, you know, change I to V. Mm. And that will be wellness. Mm. I really think that that there is illness because there's just I. You just replace that I with V and it will be converted from illness to wellness. So most of Mm. us these days are, you know, devoid of uh, deep relationships. Yeah. We, are, we, are, we are really missing that, that, you know, connection, which almost all the generations before us had, some by choice, some by compulsion. For the mm-hmm. obvious reason that if you look at, uh, you know, uh, human race, evolutionarily for us, it was, it was important to, uh, you know, connect with each other all the time. Because uh, in the savannas of Africa, probably, you know, some some thousand years ago, in savannas of Africa, you would typically see that we were not the, you know, cook, we were the food. So the only way we could survive was, uh, since we were not the, you know, fastest or the strongest, uh, we had to be smartest. And the smartness in our case came because we started working in groups. Mm. So, have you ever wondered why have facial expressions emerged in humans, Lou, and why haven't they emerged mm. as much in other animals? The reason is pretty simple. Yeah. Suppose, you know, I am right now with uh, Lou and both of us are hunting in the savannas of Africa, you know, one lakh years ago. And Jerry is also <laughs> around. We cannot see Jerry. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in, just imagine yeah. one lakh years ago, you and me, we are hunting together. And... Yeah. Uh, and how, I mean, we, the language hasn't really evolved. So how mm. do I understand that there is something coming behind me? The only way yeah. I can understand that something is behind me is by looking at your face. Mm. So when I look at your face and there is a sign of fear, then for the first time I realize that there is something to fear. There's something to be scared of. And I turn back, you know. So at the end of the day, all facial expressions evolved because it was our necessity to connect to each other. Unfortunately, as well as fortunately, of course, but unfortunately, you know, uh, we don't need each other now. Mm. I mean, there are there are no saber-toothed tigers now around us. I mean, mm. all we have to fear is a fellow human being, you know. 
Yeah. And, oh. and, and, and I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that, uh, look at how, you know, unfortunate it is that right now we can just, you know, be inside our home and we can spend years without being, you know, devoid of anything. We can, we can mm. call, call somebody, we can talk to somebody, we can be in relationship, we can work from home. You know, we can ask yeah. the, the, the pizza boy to, to come and, you know, deliver pizza. We can, we can actually ask for everything, everything. We can, we can transfer funds online. So the problem yeah. is that now we do not have a necessity to connect to each other face to face or in person. Mm. But now yeah. more than the necessity, the necessity has gone. But now in order to have well-being, we'll have to replace that I with we. Yeah. So you will see somebody who is living at her or his house all the time. He mm-hmm. won't have any problems, but he won't have well-being either. You know. Yeah. In fact, you know, I often I tell this. I often tell this in many sessions that, uh, you know, the solution of the pain incurred from a relationship is not in loneliness. It is again in a relationship. So mm-hmm. you cannot choose loneliness in the name of aloneness. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where I think social intelligence comes into play. Go out there, meet people, you know, look at them, you know, laugh with them, listen to them, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, just see the magic around you where there are so many faces yeah. looking at you. The problem is you can look at people on a screen, but you cannot look at many people looking at you on screen. And at the end of yeah. the day... Oh, wow. And at the end of the day, that Ooh. child, that child who was born, Lou, that child yeah. was looking at everyone. I mean, I, when, when, I, when I drive to my workplace and there is, there is a bus going just ahead of me, I mean, there are these little kids, they're actually waving this. You know, they're waving at me. I mean, they're not even connected to me. But suddenly I smile and they smile. And then they smile yeah. and I smile more. And believe me, there is no other, you know, series, web series that can give you that kind of happiness. Yeah. So that's where two of them come together. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I had I had chills. <laughs> uh, I'm still processing that information, but I do have chills. I think it's just, it's kind of scary in a way. It's good to understand, but it's scary in, in the sense that we just lack that so much nowadays, you know, that interaction, that, that we that, that you just mentioned um, to replace the I in illness. I guess from my own observation, it's been really challenging and, and kind of tough to have that we, um, especially this is my struggle nowadays. Like, uh, to be very honest, my struggle nowadays is I come from, um, a country um, and a home where it's all tight-knitted. You know, we're always together. We're always doing things together. We always look at each other, um, you know, sharing time together. And then I move, I, reallo- I, I relocate it to another city and another country, another social group where it's, you know, individualism is really high. And we do connect and we do hang out, but it's not the same as being in the same space, um, sharing the fun, sharing the wisdom or, you know, just 
even silly jokes um, or yes, or do things yes. together. We're more connected virtually, you know, like that's kind of like, I don't know if I can call this my quarter life crisis or anything, but for me, it's just like existential crisis. I don't know. Um, it's just in- so interesting for me noticing all of these things because it's not really loneliness that is tough to deal with, but it's more so the cause of it. Because sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll be living alone and I'll be in my apartment now thinking, I'll be thinking about, um, you know, my friends and, you know, I would love to connect and whatnot, but they don't respond or they're busy. And uh, still I see them posting on social media, for example, we're talking about the digital mm-hmm. age. So I want to be mm-hmm. really honest because a lot of people might relate to this. Um, you know, we were not able to hang out. They said, that they, oh, I'm sorry, I'm super busy. I, I didn't look at your message. And then I went on social media and then I saw that they were posting about something or, you know, they were kind of, you know, probably just didn't see my message because they were prioritizing something else. And to me, there was a little bit of sadness there. And as I, as I said to you earlier, I've been checking into my emotions. It's not a bad thing to feel that sadness, but it is so true what you just said earlier, because I relate to that so much in the sense that the, the whole sense of well-being that I used to have before and I I used to struggle with being in too much stimulation from others, you know, being in constant communication because there's a big part of me that's very introverted that I need my own space. But now that I have my own space, I'm in my own space. I struggle with not having enough of that interaction of being with people and everything, or at least 90% of the things that we do together as friends groups are now virtual. You know, it's not that people choose to be, um, only virtual with you, but sometimes it happens. You know, most of my friends are overseas or most of my friends are traveling. It's it's not that we can be in the same space, same room together, and we just see one another's lives through screens. So, yeah, it's kind of like this observation that I have when it's when it comes to well-being that and I struggle with this as well, which is why, you know, I'm working on this show, learning from all the guests, because because I struggle with it daily and every now and again, I would get a reminder whenever something happens between, you know, like friendships, relationships, family, all that sort of stuff. I kind of wonder, you know, how to cope with it, how to deal with it head on and how to manage my life in a way that would allow me to have that sense of balance and well-being. And like you said, you know, it's got to be a we, but how, right? It's kind of challenging, which is why we're talking about social intelligence in the context of the digital age today. And yeah, I I can go on all day about this topic, trust me. But yeah, that's just kind of this little uh, observation that I have from from my own self that I wanted to share because I thought a lot of people can relate with this. And I wonder what your thoughts on this are, especially because you study this. I think uh, you're very right. Uh, You said you use this term quarter life crisis. It's amazing, you know, how, how it has got translated from midlife crisis to quarter life crisis now. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I'll have midlife crisis later on, but uh, for now, let's stick with the quarter life crisis. And you know, why, why, why does that feel that way? Uh, I'll tell you why. For the yeah. obvious reason that uh, most of us have lost that balance. You remember when we were discussing about this definition of well-being, and uh, yeah. they was physically fit, psychologically healthy, and they were socially connected. Mm. So uh, coming back to the same point, if you yeah. genuinely want to have that wellness again, 
then please make sure that you do not mm-hmm. lose a single opportunity to meet someone to look yeah. at someone to listen because that nourishes you as much as it nourishes the other person mm. and uh, i'll tell you you know the the conceptual uh, point behind it yeah. i think one again this is not my line but again i'm searching who gave this line <laughs> i I've, i've actually searched for it the, the yeah. point is that uh, you know uh, we have to realize first of all as a generation we have to realize that antidote of boredom is not entertainment mm. it is curiosity yeah mm. i repeat yep. antidote of boredom is not entertainment it is curiosity mm. in yeah. fact there was there was this uh, you know famous anecdote in which one of the russian authors not russian authors i think ussr at that time of course it was not russia so one of one of the uh, you know authors from ussr he went to usa you know erst while ussr erst while usa uh, you know even before the cold war so he mm. went there and uh, uh, you know the hosts they took him to every place every place you know times square and there were neon signs and pubs and discotheques and this and that and uh, you know uh, the host said look at look at this look at you know look at this this whole affluence that you see around us so and he said something very interesting he said you know i really pity a civilization that needs so much of entertainment to be happy mm so similarly i think something is happening to all of us and it is not about ussr or usa i think it is about mm. every country these days it's about every town every city these days the problem yeah. with most of us is that we want to be entertained all the time Mm. I really don't think we need that much of entertainment. We can be <laughs> curious about things. I mean, why why yeah. would you want to watch Netflix, you know, or why would you want to watch uh, you know Amazon Prime or the Lionsgate or all these platforms, Hotstar, Prime Video, Disney yeah, Plus, so many exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. It will be good if you go out there and actually see mm. there are so many stories around you. But just yeah. because we do not have patience to be curious enough for other person to reveal that story we mm. want to just get into that entertainment mm. so a yeah you know it's important that we try to replace curiosity entertainment with curiosity b you know uh, i think problem with us is these days instant gratification we want yeah. everything now i totally agree we want yeah. everything now 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 you know in mm. india Uh, in fact when i talk about you know the the kind of families i you know i come from uh, the interior of our house i always say was done by dates so people often ask me what do you mean by interior of your house was done by dates i said you know whenever as a teenager or whenever as a child i would ask my father to say you know have a bicycle or to have a new radio or whatever you know he would say yeah. that okay we'll take it next you know new year gift it is for you or there is a, mm. there is a there is a there's a festival here diwali or dashera so it's like we'll take yeah. it on diwali and yeah. it is february and diwali comes in october so just imagine <laughs> the, just imagine how how far they are from each other uh, yeah but we, yeah. we would still be waiting we would still be waiting yeah mm. and that that made us far more resilient in life towards any mm. you know emotional uh, turbulence because we know yeah. how to wait 
So second mm. point is we should, you know, try to uh, have delayed gratification by choice. You can buy yeah. something today. Don't buy it. Wait, mm. you know, wait, mm. wait, put it into the wish list. Wait. I mean, of course, you'll get a better discount. <laughs> that's that's the commercial uh, advantage of it. But that's yeah. important. And third, mm. just the way, you know, entertainment curiosity point, instant gratification point. Again, the third and the most important point. The same line that I said earlier, the desire to be happy every day is a very unhealthy desire. Mm. We have suddenly become so choosy about the emotions that we want to experience. And because we are yeah. choosy about the emotions we want to experience, we are choosy about the people we want to be with. And because we have mm. become choosy about the kind of people we want to be with, we are very choosy about the kind of occasions or ecosystems we want to be in. And suddenly, mm. social intelligence took the toll. Mm. Wow. Very interesting. So what would you say to be, you know, like this is a new territory for a lot of people. This is new. So what would you say to be the opposite of that? You know, we're, we're saying that, okay, we're kind of killing our own social intelligence in a way. So yes. how would how would we recognize someone who has really high level of social intelligence? Oh, wow. You know, I think, uh, again, I'll borrow something from Dr. Salman Akhtar. As I said, he's one of yeah. my role models. So um, yeah. Dr. Salman Akhtar explains it really well. He says hmm. that there are three kinds of people. He's talking in some you know context and he said there are three kinds of couples. One, people who are falling in love. Second, people hmm. who are staying in love. And third, people who have fallen out of love. You know, so hmm. he says, how do you how do you, you know, look at them and how can you assess? And he kind of gives you a short trick. He says people who are falling in love, they tend to look at each other. Yeah. Mm. So they are looking at each other's, you know, they are into each other's eyes and everything. And they just, yeah. it's just inseparable, you know. So yeah. he says people who are falling in love, they tend to look yeah. at each other. People who are staying in love, they sit together and look at the same thing. They don't look at each other. Huh? They look at the same thing. Mm. And people mm. who are falling out of love, they sit together and look at different things. You know? Oh, <laughs> So wow. I, I, I really love this man. So he actually said this. Yeah. Really, you know, people who are falling in love, they look at each other. People who are staying yeah. in love, they sit together and they look at the same thing. And people who have fallen out yeah. of love, they sit together but look at different things. So yeah. it is about, again, attunement that I had talked about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what has happened, Lou, if two or three of us are in, in the same room, you know, Jerry, Lou mm. and uh, Sandeep. Yeah. Uh, Suddenly, three of us have our own mobiles. Mm. And you are watching probably a Netflix series. Uh, Jerry is probably watching a, you know, a tennis a game. And mm. I'm probably, you know, reading some book. Now, look at this. We have actually <laughs> fallen out of love. You know? <laughs> so, oh, it, is a, it is about shared experiences. It is about shared yeah. experiences. And mm. how do you have shared experiences? When one of us would adapt, one of us would adapt, say, you know, Lou says, what are you reading, Sandeep? And I say, mm. look, look what I'm, I'm reading. And Jerry suddenly mm. says, great, great. I, I should also join in. Mm. <clears throat> or probably Jerry looks at us and says, uh, you know, Lou, Sandeep, why don't you come and see this point? It is an amazing point. 
I mean, the rally was yeah. fantastic. You know, the moment yeah. three of us come together, you would realize that there is social intelligence at work. Because now we suddenly get attuned. And believe me, the best part is that, uh, you know, most of us don't realize, but it is about a very, you know, important psychological uh, construct called bids. I, I would repeat this word, bids. So there is this researcher, relationship researcher, Lou, uh, whose name is John yeah. Gottman. He is very famous. Yeah. So John yeah. Gottman, uh, he kind of came up with this concept called bids. So he says, what are bids? So bids are nothing but an offer to connect. So if if I you know, look at you and I crack a joke and you laugh, so my bid is ex- you know, accepted. If you if you give a comment and suddenly my facial expression changes and I start mm. you know looking a little somber when, when mm. you were talking about your struggle, uh, it was a bit that was accepted. So yeah. if suppose you know Jerry is telling his story, uh, you know, and two of us uh, we are disconnected, we are mm. disinterested. Suddenly you say, well, "Come again? What did you say, Jerry? Oh, what happened?" And I say, "Oh." Uh, were you saying something? Suddenly, the bids were not accepted. So if yeah. you want to check whether somebody is socially intelligent or not, <clears throat> then the best way is to see whether he or she is able to accept bids by people around him or her. That is a good point. I think it's uh, interesting you point that out because um, I think I remember a point that you mentioned earlier when you said um, we we sort of like now we have this uh, kind of way of going about our own things. And um, I, I can't remember the exact words that you were using, um, but I guess it, it has to do with how um, we are finding ways to be able to relate and, and to kind of make that steps. Um, yeah, I, I, I had that in my mind earlier, but I was so focused on listening to you that I forgot the word now. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the point that, that you made just raised uh, like a, I guess a question for myself and um, an action point that we could all take, um, especially when it comes to this digital age, you know, us having so many different things to look at. Like you said, you know, we can have a, a phone, maybe a computer, you know, maybe a TV screen that we can look at. And we can be in the same room, but we have all these different devices that we can look at. Um, so, you know, the, the step for to, to recognize that highly socially intelligent person is to actually to see someone who can actually go and say, hey, guys, what you're looking at? What's so fun? And make that conversation, you know, even if you're in the same room. Uh, but like you said earlier, you've fallen out of love. Um, there needs to be that person that can rebuild that love again um, and to bring people back together, even just to bring um, that friendship back or, you know, to to connect again. I guess sometimes we, we all need time to decompress. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of decompressing, you know, after a conversation, sometimes I'm, I kind of go, well, that was really good. Now let's just chill. You know, like even with my friends as well, sometimes we sit in silence together and we have our own books, not oh, necessarily wow. our own phones, but 
yeah, we we like I have I have really great friend, one of my best friends um, in Melbourne. We find this spot that's really good. There's a place in Melbourne Central where you can just sit together. It's kind of like a co-working space, open space. And, you know, weekends come and we'll just say, OK, should we go for a walk or should we just go and read somewhere? It depends on the weather. So what we normally do is we'll just take our respective books and we'll go to that place and we'll sit down and we'll read. Sometimes we'll buy something to snack on. And um, sometimes we, we would make conversations out of what we're reading or we just, you know, stop for a little bit and make conversations while we're taking breaks from reading. Um, so, you know, it's our way of trying to balance having that space to decompress ourselves and having that social interaction and, you know, kind of keeping up that relationship, even if we're, you know, together, but we're not talking, it doesn't mean that we don't interact. It doesn't mean that we're not connected or we don't have that friendship love. So I think to me, that's just kind of like a a nice way for me to observe how social intelligence has played out in my own life without actually knowing the skill. So now that you've mentioned it, it's kind of like the proactiveness that we need to have Mm -hmm. in taking that a step further. You know, if you've already subconsciously, um, done that before it might be good now to actually proactively do it in a social yes. group yes so I need break to, the eyes know, actually i remember now the word is curiosity you mentioned yes, that now it's curious. come back to me <laughs> yeah use curiosity <laughs> but you know Lou, uh, when, you, when you said this uh, and when you were sharing this whole memory of yours and i could actually yeah. feel that feel that memory that you were talking about melbourne uh, suddenly you, yeah. you know i got transported uh, into my memory yeah. lane because uh, uh, yeah. you know when I went to when I you know went to Australia for the first time uh, I went to Sydney and uh, yeah. rega- regarding uh, this work that that we were doing with Future Works uh, Skills yeah. Academy so uh, you know the one of my friends I can call her friend her name is Donna and we were yeah. taking this walk on the Bondi Beach and uh, yeah. I can still recall yeah. that walk that walk was so yeah. surreal. And then oh. you know, in, in, in the morning, she has this uh, you know dog called Ginger, and, and we were taking a walk, and we were just looking at Ginger, and just imagine how meditative it becomes just because it yeah. is shared, and you are totally yeah. being there. Yeah. So more power oh, to you. So I, I really mm. wish more such moments to you. <laughs> yeah, and and same to you. Yeah, I think it's just. <laughs> Oh, such a nice way to talk about social intelligence. It's, it's um, yeah, it's something that we need more of nowadays. Yes. And, you know, dish those devices. And sometimes it's hard, especially because, you know, when you're connecting with people that are so far away. But, yeah, if you're, um, if you can definitely dish those devices yes. and choose and something do, that's uh, more analog. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah. sorry to intervene again, but I can oh, already, I can already foresee a comment in the podcast. The person would say, you know, two of you are actually talking because of a device so so, so let's not try to vilify all the devices i, I, I can only i can i can uh, you know predict the such a state you know comment but i think yeah. both of us both of us know that devices mm. are not bad i mean we are connecting mm. today because of because of technology but as exactly. they typically you know used to say that technology is a is a is a good slave but a bad master yeah i genuinely think that i don't think it is a slave technology is a good partner but technology is a bad boss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, couldn't agree more. I think, you know, uh, that that leads me to my final question of this uh, very interesting interview part, the main interview part, is now that we've talked about social intelligence, 
the social cues, how we can uh, sort of try and, and do better when it comes to managing our relationships and interactions. The, the most important question is, how can someone develop their own social intelligence in this digital age? Because sure, we've talked about it. We know that there are certain factors and there are these things that might happen, but how do they know for sure that they are actually working on their social intelligence? You know, what are some of the steps and perhaps what are some of the pitfalls? And, you know, we talked about devices. One little comment that I'll make is I couldn't agree more with talking thanks to this device. But the most important thing to me is we're still looking at each other. Yes, it's not yes. like we are conversing on this device, but we're also on our phone. Because, okay, I'm going to tell you, here's a demonstration of what normally happens. Sometimes I would have a long distance call with a video call with my friend. And sometimes the calls go amazing. We just look at each other or even if we don't look at each other, even if we don't have our cameras on, we're completely and utterly focused on the conversation. But other on some other occasions, I can also tell you I've had other calls where I know for sure that the other person on the line is doing this. Oh my God, texting. Yeah, tell me. But no, oh. they're scrolling. They might be yes. talking to me, but they might be scrolling. And that urges me to also scroll. Oh, because yes. they were scrolling. So then I was thinking, okay, well, if they're scrolling and talking to me, I can do the same. Absolutely. They don't, you know, you know, in the back of my mind, I might go, they're not, they don't respect my time as much, or, you know, they might yes. take this conversation not so seriously. So I might do the same. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where so, yeah, yeah. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. Yes. I think first of all, uh, you know, going ahead with your point, it is about resonance. It is about that synchrony. It is about being in that zone together. And if you mm. see, you, you're pretty right on that, that uh, texting or scrolling, uh, it, it suddenly makes us, you know, disconnected. Something that, yeah. that we cannot afford when we are, you know, into real-time attunement with somebody. Mm. So, uh, you're right. I think that's, I think texting is the greatest, uh, you know, pandemic we have these days. I think yeah. it's almost an epidemic. Now, coming to your question, your question was, uh, you know, how to develop social intelligence. Uh, you know, uh, Lou, social intelligence is a skill. And like any other skill, it can be learned, practiced, and mastered. So mm. first of all, let's let's not think that social intelligence is a trait that you either have or you do not. Yeah. I think it's a skill. You can actually mm -hmm. work upon it. It can be learned, practiced, mm -hmm. and mastered. Yeah. And like any other skill, a part of it you pick. You actually, a part of it you pick up through exposure and simulation. No doubt about mm. that. So if you have a socially intelligent parent, if you have a socially intelligent partner, if you have a socially intelligent, you know, boss, you kind of, uh, you kind of pick it. So it's, yeah. it has that rub of impact on you. So mm. like any other skill, a part of social intelligence, you can pick up uh, through exposure and simulation. But another part you have to develop through concepts and practices. And I'll give you just an example of it. Whenever I have trained or, you know, our e-learning program or something like that, it is based on neuropsychology. I think mm -hmm. the problem with most of us is, I was talking about Paul Ekman, you remember? You know, Paul Ekman is yeah. considered to be one of, one, of the, one of the, you know, giants in the field of nonverbal cues. Or yeah. I was talking about John Gartman. So, you know, when we talk about uh, concepts and practices, we have to understand 
that it is important to first of all understand how our brain functions mm-hmm. because you cannot treat the symptom without understanding system yeah so first of all let's be aware of who we are and i'm not talking mm-hmm. in you know spiritual sense here i'm talking in scientific <laughs> sense you yeah. know it is in scientific sense most of us first mm-hmm. of all need to understand how our brain works how people's yeah. brains work because at the end of the day you know brain is, uh, is 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 you know same for most of us i mean mind is very yeah. different for each of us mm-hmm. so first of all we need to genuinely understand how brain works and here comes a little biology so if you are really you know aware of the biology uh and i'm not talking about that you know boring part of biology that is reserved only for people who who want to do a major in it so i yeah. think the basics of biology you know basics of uh, neurobiology so that yeah. is one second you have to learn to observe and interpret people's cues and you have to learn to observe and interpret you know expressions mm. gestures postures vocal cues and people can be trained on it So mm. to answer your question a part of it has to be picked up through exposure and simulation and a part of it mm-hmm. is it is supposed to be learned through concepts and practices. Yeah. Very interesting. You know I wonder why schools don't teach this. Oh yes, I think Still. Oh that's you've actually touched the pain point, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the pain points are coming out now. Oh yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, though, though the though the you know uh, the the awareness is growing, and now mm-hmm. many schools are uh, you know going at with social and emotional learning. They call it SEL, social and emotional learning. So there are many schools yeah. who are taking this uh, you know initiative, but there are yeah. still few and far between. Mm. Yeah, I wish there were more schools that yes. would teach this to children because. you know we we talked about how we could develop the skills and and you know you, you already mentioned that there's a lot to be done basically um and yeah, again i might might have gotten the exact word they'll come back to me but i i guess exposure as well for, in my opinion is it's very important um it's it's also about what you get exposed to on top of what you are going to do yourself especially for young children and yes. we can talk about this um later because i i think this is one of the question audience uh questions from the audience that's very interesting to me um however i do think that if anyone is tuning into this podcast episode it is a great chance for them to start educating themselves on it it's probably not something that they were taught before i was definitely not taught about this before when i was going to school but Now that I know about it, I'm definitely going to make an effort to learn more about it. And in this digital age as well, like you mentioned earlier, there's just there's that attunement that we need to find and I guess in my case, I need to also find a way to find that attunement when it comes to my social interaction and social intelligence will then uh, starts to get honed because you know if, if you don't get practice is kind of moot you know it's not relevant um and you know that's a really nice like way for us to actually go into the practice part because we've covered the theory and we always talk about practice on this show as well so now i would love to dive a bit deeper with you into a practice and we can dissect a bit more um about social intelligence if anything new emerges but we always ask our guests to share a practice that 
they personally do or a practice that they would recommend to the audience when it comes to the topic of the day. And with that, I would love to hear what is a practice that you're currently doing or you do quite often? Um, or if if not, then if you don't want to share because it's private and owned to you, then you can share something that you would recommend to people that you work with when it comes to developing their social intelligence when it, you know, it is the digital age. What should we do? I think uh, specifically in terms of uh, digital age, uh, Lou, there's one practice. Uh, yeah. There's a concept, uh, you know, and a practice, of course, both of them, uh, called interoception. So I N T E R O, you know, interoception. C. Interoception. Yep. So interoception is actually uh, a neuropsychological term, and interoception is being aware of this the signals of your autonomic nervous system. So you know, in in our in our body, there is there is something called ANS, which is autonomic nervous system. It works with our internal organs. And uh, in order to connect to someone, first of all, you need to connect to yourself. Because unless you're mm. connected to yourself, you cannot really connect to someone else. It's as simple as that. So mm. before you you have to, uh, you know, uh, before you have to, uh, uh, you know, become socially intelligent, first of mm. all, you'll have to become emotionally intelligent. Because, uh, and now I'm talking here, in, you know, here I'm talking about these two terms, typically in the way research puts them. So yeah. the awareness part before you get into attunement, that's where the practice comes. And the mm. practice is called interoception. So what do you mean by interoception? Mm. You know, there's this beautiful line. I really, uh, really, you know, use this line often that words express thoughts, uh, body expresses emotions. Now, this is, mm. this is this is my line. You can actually say that. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So unless someone has said it earlier, this is mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, credit so, to you. you know, unless we find the source. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you find the source, let me know. So that I stop claiming this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we so, shall find out. Very true. I think it is me. So, you know, yeah. words express thoughts and body expresses emotions. And yeah. I, I, I'm not the one who found this concept. Probably I, I'm the mm. one who, you know, kind of crafted this line. But the point is mm. that body expresses emotions. And there's a mm. very important line by somebody again. I cannot remember the name, but it's not mine. It says that, you know, your body, everybody saying something. You should mm. listen to it. Mm. So everybody is saying something. Mm-hmm. You, know, you should listen to it. And our body gives yeah. us signals all the time. What do we mean by that? Mm-hmm. Our autonomic nervous system gives us signals. For instance, you see at some time you start sweating and you know under your arms. There are times when you suddenly feel that your heartbeat is changing. You mm-hmm. feel that you have a dry throat. You feel mm-hmm. that you have a you know dry mouth. You suddenly mm-hmm. feel that you know you are uh, you know you you know using your eyelashes a, a little too much. Or uh, you have started breathing heavily. Yeah. Or your breathing is shallow. Or mm. suddenly you see that you are becoming cold. Or yeah. suddenly you see that you feel, you know, a kind of, uh, you know, uh, something in the gut. You suddenly feel that there is this, this you know, a vacuum, this is hollow. Mm. What is this? All these are signals that your body are giving to you. Hmm. 
your perspiration, respiration, your salivation, everything is actually a signal that your body is giving to you. And being aware of these signals is called interoception. So Mm. there is a term called introspection. I think all of us have heard this. But introspection is about being aware of your thoughts. But Mm. interoception is about being aware of not your thoughts, but your emotions. And the language of emotions is your body language and your internal Mm. autonomic nervous system signals. So one practice that I follow is, Lou, that I keep staying tuned into myself. Mm. I keep asking myself, how am I feeling about it? Mm. If there is a call and the call ends and then I, you know, try to see how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. If I'm sweating in my around my elbows, then there is something that happened during the call which kind of made me nervous. Yeah. Now I'll introspect. I'll ask myself, mm-hmm. what was that? And then I tell myself, oh, I think this is one word I should not have said because contextually mm-hmm. it could have meant differently. Now, I do not yeah. know it consciously. But subconsciously, I mean, in fact... You know, unconsciously is, is probably a better word, but again, unconsciously mm. used in different terms these days. So subconsciously, I kind of understand it. Mm. In fact, there's a term pre-consciously. So th- there are a lot of things that are, there. you know, that are just, you know, uh, floating around just, you know, uh, beneath our consciousness. So the moment, you know, that sweating around my elbow makes me think, I get to a point which next time I wouldn't do. And I think mm. that's a very, very good practice. Uh, to you know uh, in middle of a discussion or uh, after a discussion you should you know practice interoception and it'll mm. it'll give you a lot of uh, inputs about you and will help you become mm. more socially intelligent mm. very interesting and how often do you suggest people to do this if they take on this practice for the first time well i think every hour mm. Oh, that's uh, a, that's you, a big commitment. Be, nobody has to wake up, you know, and do it <laughs> during, the sleep, right? during the sleep. During the sleep. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not wake up and do it every hour, but, you know, every hour when you're awake, <laughs> for sure. Yes, yes. Still, it's a big commitment. And yeah, I it think is, it's it's, it's going to take um, a lot of patience and commitment to But to, to start with, it'll take. Like any other skill, Lou, you said for starters, so for beginners. Yeah. So like any yeah. other skill, uh, effectiveness remains the same, but efficiency grows when you, you know, mm. continue to practice it all the time. So after that, yeah. you don't have to do it. It will come naturally to you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think um, some of the benefits would be? You know, if you can list three benefits, because, you know, it's a big commitment. People might be in doubt or hesitant. We, we would love to convince them to try this. So what would be the three benefits that they would feel once they've started doing this practice? I think all three benefits are related to well-being. Uh, mm-hmm. First, your mental well-being will be better. Uh, and yeah. why your mental well-being will be better? Because uh, every time you introspect, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you bring your right and left brain into play and it becomes a whole mm-hmm. brain activity. So uh, yeah. your mental well-being will be better. Emotional well-being mm-hmm. will be better because uh, yeah. then you'll also know when to release uh, your emotions, if at all they're getting bottled up. And third, mm-hmm. your social well-being will be better because when you yeah. do that, you'll also be aware of uh, what is going on in other person. 
because uh, yeah. at the end of the day uh, you know all uh, you know attunement uh, has roots mm. in awareness so if you mm. if you think that uh, buddha buddha was uh, kind then buddha was kind because uh, he was aware of it wow yeah you already covered all grounds you know not just benefits in general but benefits for our well-being when we start doing this practice and you know it's kind of similar to um i i guess to me it's kind of similar to checking in with uh my feelings um uh, that was the activity that i did for the limited series on this show for the new year but this practice takes it a bit further you know and another step further um not just doing it daily but doing it as frequently as you possibly can and in your case you're saying every hour very important i think if we were to capture the progress of how we are um you know managing ourselves managing our own emotions and managing our relationship due to that um this would be a really good place to start because for people that are you know really emotional like myself I'm going to admit very emotional it's really Same good here. to you know keep track of the you know the progress and and how things flow um and yeah in turn it's going to have a really positive impact on our well-being because we find that balance just like you said earlier you know well-being is about balance um to to find that balance again would be really important um but i guess for a lot of people this might be really challenging um to me i can already foresee they might say that this is a bit hard because i don't know how to be honest with myself for example that could be one challenge so you know what would what do you think to be some of some of the other challenges that people might encounter that they should look out for well i think uh, first of all the you know one big challenge is that most of us we try to intellectualize whenever we practice something like this so i don't <laughs> think we need to intellectualize it uh, i think yeah. uh, i think we are talking about physiological signals flow and yeah. if 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 sandeep a person starts intellectualizing you know this mm. and says mm. uh, what would be the benefit and uh, mm. am i really um, you know introspecting well um, mm. do i have biases uh, mm. what is the use of my doing that because the person i am interacting with doesn't do it so 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 mm. why should i you know do it first or yeah. uh, what are the immediate benefits so the point mm. is let's not intellectualize the biggest challenge will be to postpone our intellectualization whenever we practice mm. something new and let's understand that what i'm talking about is not about introspecting in terms of uh, you know it's not a cognitive concept we are just mm. learning to listen to our physiological signals not psychological yeah. signals psychological mm. signals are different i mean they are they yeah. come in terms of thoughts and you know emotions but physiological signals come in form of uh, you know perspiration change in respiration change in digestion i mean it's like you need to understand that it is about making sure that you are only interoceptive and not introspecting to begin with mm so that is one challenge that uh, you know people will have to kind of uh, you know put um, uh, you know their uh, intellectualization on hold a uh, mm. second challenge i genuinely think that a lot of people lose interest mm. you know uh, again it, it boils down to boredom i mean it is boring <laughs> to listen to your heartbeat i mean people will think <laughs> people would like to listen to a song which has the word heartbeat coming 20 times but they would not like yeah. to listen to their own heartbeat for 20 times or maybe listen to somebody else's heartbeat would be more fun <laughs> yeah. so the problem is you know because uh, people wouldn't want to be mindful because their their yeah. mind is already full 
So when your mind is already mm-hmm. full, how can you be mindful? So yeah. it's important for uh, people to be able to bear boredom. I genuinely yeah. think that uh, you know boredom is the practice for focus. Boredom yeah. is a prelude to focus, and most of the mm-hmm. people who cannot focus, the problem is mm-hmm. not that they cannot focus. The problem is that they cannot bear boredom. So when you learn mm-hmm. to bear boredom, uh, that downtime has an upside, you know. Yeah. And it's important yeah. to you know be able to bear that boredom. Boredom. Very interesting. I think it's a. Uh... It's quite challenging for a lot of people to start something that can feel intimidating and can feel a bit boring. But in the sense of developing our social intelligence, especially in this digital age, I think it's just so important that even if it is challenging, at least give it a try and stick with it. You know, um, if we don't start. We'll never get anywhere, and just like you said, yes, it'll it'll become part of you know it'll become like second nature. It'll be easy for us to do that. Um, but the most important thing is definitely to get started. As any new year, you know, we talk about New Year's resolution, and a lot of the New Year's resolutions fall through because we don't start. So yes. yeah, to anyone who would like to develop their social intelligence, this is the chance to truly start something different. Um, and interoception is such a new term. I was kind of ne- taking note of it because I was like, oh, wow, okay, new term, alert. Got to learn more about this. So if it is boring, if it is intimidating, the end goal here is to, you know, I, I guess in a way the word I would use is to nurture ourselves and to manage ourselves better, manage our interactions better um, so that our well-being can be overall improved because we don't go through life alone. We go through oh, yeah. life um, interacting with a lot of people and it's so important that all these interactions flow as smoothly as humanly possible. You know, we are going to make mistakes and, you know, we are going to say things that we want to take back or um, redo certain parts of our lives, but it's it's actually not that. It's a matter of constantly improving it, especially in the digital space. Um, the funny thing about it is you can just delete it. <laughs> Right. Um, But there are things that you text that you cannot ever take back. So, you know, if that ever happens, a conversation might help massively. So, yeah, in in my head right now, there's just like this train that's kind of going everywhere, um, stopping everywhere at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's it's quite important for me personally to keep this in mind and really think about how I want to embed it in my into my daily practice. So thank you for sharing about it. Thank you so much, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, we would love to do um, uh, to get you to answer some of the questions from our audience. I found two very interesting questions, and I would love to hear from you. Um, so, the first question that is related to related to the topic of today is: How can parents and relatives help children to develop social intelligence in the digital age? So, you know, when we talked about those two things, that social intelligence, like any other skill, a part of it, uh, you know, you pick up through exposure and simulation. So yeah. it's extremely important that parents uh, begin to talk about feelings rather mm. than only thoughts. I think mm. a big problem these days is that parents are not talking about feelings with their kids. Mm. So... Uh, let me give you a very simple exercise. Uh, all those parents who are probably you know listening this listening to this one or would be parents, 
um, ask your kid, you know, how do you feel about it, rather than what do you mm. think about it. Mm. You know, the problem is most of us ask, what do you think about it. We do not ask, how do you feel about it. Mm-hmm. And when somebody says, uh, well, I don't feel anything, then mm-hmm. then I think it's it's a it's a red flag, because if the other person yeah. is the kid is not feeling, then it doesn't mean that the kid is not feeling. The point is that the kid is not able to, uh, you know, tap, track, or term the feeling. Mm-hmm. And if a kid is not able to tap, track, or term a feeling, then that kid cannot be as socially intelligent as mm-hmm. you know uh, he or uh, she uh, should be in order to be more fulfilled. So yeah. it's it's important that you talk about how do you feel about it. Mm. Second, uh, as parents, mm. make sure that every day you take out five minutes, eight minutes, ten mm. minutes mm. to engage with your kid face-to-face, in person, whenever it's possible, face-to-face, in person, without any mm. gadget in the sight, mm. not in mm. the hand. Without any gadget yeah. in the sight. So make mm. sure that you're going for a long walk or you're going for a swim or you're going for a long drive or whatever it is. And yeah. just do not have a mobile phone, a laptop or a tablet, even in sight. Because mm. if, if if the mobile phone is on the sofa, then also it is present. And if you have a mobile phone to ignore, then also it is taking mm. a precious space in the conversation. Because what you are ignoring is actually occupying place in your mind. So Mm. you shouldn't have something to ignore. Just just make sure that you obliterate it. So please make sure Mm -hmm. that you engage with your kid. And I'm not talking about engaging with the kid for half an hour or 15 minutes, five minutes. Mm. Because, you know, many parents often ask me, Alu, you know, what is the definition of quality time? You know, these days, a lot of people say you should spend quality time, quality time. What is the difference between quality time and quantity of time? The point is pretty simple. Mm. Quality of time is equal to duration into intensity. Mm. So if you cannot, you know, increase the duration, Mm. then increase the intensity. Mm -hmm. So you cannot spend half an hour because we have a very busy life these days. All of us, even kids too. So... Do not try to increase duration beyond a limit because that can actually, you know, hurt the balance. But do not live with that guilt of not spending half an hour. Five minutes of, you know, increased intensity of being together helps. That's all it takes. Mm. So these two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are really great advices and just really clear steps for parents and, and relatives to to take on and try and have these conversations. I can tell you straight away, I struggle when I interact with my nephew because oh. he interacts better when there's a screen around. And yeah. he's actually, he really likes our cat, but he is also like, his, his family is not keen on him interacting with the cat because of allergy mm. or, you know, whatnot. Uh, so it's, I kind of struggle because like there's not really an allergy there, to be honest. But yeah, it's just a fear of animals when they don't know them. I mm-hmm. think it's great for kids to interact with animals. So they're yes. you know not so focused on their screens. 
um, you know, they can have toys, they can have, you know, conversations and they can have interaction with pets as well because pets are fascinating. Um, but yeah, what I have found is like when, whenever it comes to like a tough conversation or with the kid, it's just like a tough conversation for the kid. Like, no, you cannot have this or no, we have to do this now. Sometimes the, the, his parents give up and, you know, give him a screen and I'm just like, oh, I really no. don't want to do that. So, you know, like, I think I relate with this question so much because, you know, like, how can I interact with my nieces and nephews better, um, given that now they're so interested in all the screens that the adults are using? Well, I can tell you straight away, I'm going to put my (laughs) I'm going to put my phone and my other screens away when I when I'm interacting with them and find other ways to be creative. Now that you've mentioned things we can try and, you know, have conversations, you know, how do you feel about this? I think that's pretty cool. You know, things we can totally do within our power. Yes. Mm, Yeah. So the second question from the audience that I think also is related to the topic and everyone would probably benefit from would be, I don't think we've mentioned this, is how do people high on social intelligence tend to use social media sites in a ways that are systematically different than others who are lower in social intelligence? This is an interesting question. Yeah, I I wonder how you feel about this one. Well, very true. I think that uh, people with high social intelligence they would uh, they would use all social media sites undoubtedly they would but they would use all social media sites not randomly during the day they'll yeah. designate time for that they'll mm. for instance i'll just give an example of how i do it you know i yeah. typically would would spend 10 to 15 minutes uh, you know in first half and around 10 to 15 minutes in second half because my work requires, you know, a certain amount of spreading of ideas and connecting with people. So that's how yeah. probably your team came to know about me. So yeah. the point is, the point is, it is important. It is important to, you know, uh, disseminate ideas. It's important to mm. talk about your work or about the area of your work. It's about, mm. uh, you know, contributing to your work uh, area. Yeah. So the, the point is, uh, they would not use it randomly. So I yeah. wouldn't really use a LinkedIn or probably a Facebook or, a, or an Instagram during, you know, the day, anytime, just like that. Mm-hmm. I'll have a very clear pattern that for 10, 15 minutes, I am, you know, uh, surfing, uh, I am on LinkedIn and probably 10 minutes yeah. in, in, in the second half, I am on uh, you know LinkedIn. I'll, I'll answer mm-hmm. the messages or I'll probably ask questions or I'll, I'll post something, I'll comment something. But after that, I'm yeah. gone. I'm just gone. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing it randomly, for the yeah. obvious reason that for the obvious reason that then it will become a habit, mm. and you know, I love distraction. That. Yeah, and ability to dis, you know get ability to get distracted comes mm. naturally to us. All of us because yeah. brain brain is a machine. Uh, a machine is a wrong mm. word. It's of course an organ, but brain <laughs> is an organ. But you know, it just In to way, just it to is. create a, yeah, just to create a kind of metaphor. So brain as an organ, yeah, yeah. so brain as an organ, distraction comes naturally to us because, you know, our ability to get distracted and take a lot of sensory inputs from our environment Mm. was an important tendency for survival uh, in our evolutionarily, you know, uh, stages. So the point Mm. is that distraction comes naturally to us. So the Mm. monster of distraction is right here. 
if i will keep randomly check, checking during the day any social yeah. media sites then i'm feeding mm. the monster and the problem is the mm-hmm. more you feed the bigger that monster becomes yeah totally. so i think i think you should designate time 10 mm. minutes i'll be there mm. and just imagine yeah. you know uh, i i am not that much into gadget that's why we had to cancel our first recording <laughs> you remember <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> we had to reschedule because it didn't really yeah. work out. We don't know much exactly. about technology, so, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I genuinely think that uh, first of all, yeah. they should they should use it not at all yeah. randomly during the day. Yeah. Uh, second, yeah. whenever really they are, yes, and whenever they are on social media, mm. they should not uh, confuse interchange of ideas or exchange of mm. ideas with discussions. I think social mm. media channels are not the right places for discussions. Mm. Because whenever you discuss whenever you are discussing and whenever you are discussing an important point you require mm. not only the you know verbal part but also non-verbal part of that interaction to be there. So yeah. it's very difficult to you know read smileys. It's very difficult to you know guess the tone, the pitch, uh, you know so for instance if i am in a bad mood and lose sense you know remark on on one of my posts if i am in mm. a bad mood i probably you know uh, will will misinterpret a winking smiley as as a satire or as mm. a sarcasm while yeah. you meant it in a in a funny way so mm. the problem is that uh, social media is not the right place for discussions yeah So I think people who are socially intelligent will take care of these two points. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Those are really important points and thank you for sharing that. Such a nice way to wrap up all these questions about social intelligence and I'm sure there'll be more questions even you know after this conversation even after someone's listened to it. Um so yeah, um let's keep this in our mind and you know even we can revisit this you know with to expand on the ideas further because i feel like there's so much more to learn but uh, given the time limit let's um, wrap it here however i want to open the floor to you and the final section of our show is called open mic would love to hear um an idea or like a, you know hear about something that you're really passionate about um that you would love to share with others it doesn't have to be about social intelligence i'm sure you're passionate about so many things given so many how many books are behind you i'm sure you read a lot and are you know passionate about multiple things <laughs> so what what would be something today that uh, that you haven't got the chance to mention and you would love to share with everyone Oh, well uh, as i discussed with you lu one of uh, one of the points that i i'm really passionate about is the fact that uh, most of us you know typically laymen if we can call ourselves uh, you know most of us just do not take out time to understand the most important part of our lives and that is mm. our brain so you mm. would see that people will read operational manual of uh, a washing machine a microwave yeah. they would read the specifications of a pen drive they'll mm. go extra miles to know about the technological uh, you know specifications of the laptop that they are buying yeah. but almost none of us would spend time in understanding you know how this works how brain mm. works mm. 
and i genuinely wish that uh, you know anybody who's listening to this podcast uh, spends more time in understanding how brain works yeah because if we know how brain works we can make it work for us mm and 100%. at the end of the day at the end of the day we are our brain so hmm. you know we have this whole body but yeah. everything is being uh, governed by this brain and when i talk about brain then i would again like to clarify a few things i'm not talking about you know looking at it from a surgeon's point of view i i do not want us to be you know remembering the parts of the brain <laughs> and you know yeah. uh, getting into the the you know dissection of all that what i'm mm. talking about is the tendencies of brain i'm talking about the you know basic uh fabric of how our brain functions mm. because that can have a very important impact on our daily lives i'll give you a simple example of it most of us have must have observed lu you must have observed that take any conference room take any conference room of an you know ibm to who or imf or you know united nations anywhere you would always find two things one you would find water and second you would find candies now you know i often wonder what are candies doing in a united nations room conference room i mean they're talking about such big things why do you have candies there i mean are the kids there no they are not kids but they intuitively understand something about the brain and what is it well the point is pretty simple when it comes to our brain there are when we talk about the metabolic fuel you know of our brain then there are three things one is oxygenation second is hydration and second third is our sugar level you know glucose level mm. so mm. if you see more people take wrong decisions because of lack of water than because of malaise more people make mistakes because of their fluctuating sugar level than yeah. because of the vengeance you know they feel for the other person mm. so i think you know an underslept guy is more dangerous than actually mm. a dangerous guy you know so <laughs> so the point is we need to understand that mm. almost every profession you'll have some or other uh, you know flexibility but when it comes to judges when it comes to you know the judiciary you would always find they have this perfect time to have this to have a break to have a you know vacation to have meal why because decision making has an amazing uh, you know amazing it is impacted amazingly uh, to a great extent by these three things yeah now if you can you must have seen i have been sipping water all the while you know every every now and then because in order to have the right functioning of brain you have to keep it well oxygenated you know you have to make sure just that's why a deep breath at times can actually uh, you know uh, avoid that one word too many that costs at the end of the day mm. so uh, you know oxygenation hydration and maintaining the sugar level now just yeah. imagine most of the people don't realize this that in tiredness they make wrong decisions in tiredness they say say wrong things so just imagine a a manager 
holding or keeping a very important strategic meeting with somebody hmm. during the end of the day why would you do that because you know there is every chance that that the attentiveness will not be at its best or even if you want to keep it make sure that before that you have you have you know certain part of the meal or you have your sugar level or water level or something oxygenation good oxygenation why hmm. because the way our brain functions if you have a very clear view on it you can avoid many mistakes in life that is one i'll give you another example whenever a kid is studying and you come from behind and you say something the kid really wouldn't want to listen you know if you want to talk to a kid come from front you know and a little and a little diagonally why because our brain is wired to take you know you know voices from behind in a certain skeptic manner rather insecure manner because mm. you know uh, our brain was developed in an era uh, you know in our evolutionary stages where we were a part of an animal ecosystem and mm. human beings are a classic case of civilization outpacing evolution but those civilization has outpaced evolution our tendencies are still that of that animal in the savannas of africa and mm. anybody coming from behind or standing behind and talking wouldn't really you know appeal to us uh, when it comes to emotional resonance so somebody coming from diagonal it is like cats you know if you actually look at a cat from above you know cat will get intimidated make sure that you come at level of cat and talk if you don't really you know come to the level of cat and then talk the cat will not really mm. be very receptive towards you because the cat yeah. has to look look at it this way because cat was always small and all the predators of cats they were looking at her like this yeah you know so just giving example of this let me give another example mm. Mm. most of us don't realize yeah. that mm-hmm. our brain has has separate centers for emotions and intelligence so if you see the brain was was formed in the time in the in the form of layers because in evolution we were reptiles then we were mammals then we were you know primates four great apes and everything and then homo sapiens sapiens so there are three layers and this is paul maclean's model of trian brain so survival then emotions and then a higher order functions intelligence none of us actually goes into the depth of it and tries to find how these survival centers emotional centers and intelligence centers how do they function we we always feel that there is a bottom up impulse and there is a top down control exercising in our brain we feel like doing something but there is something stopping us we feel like doing something there is something stopping us <laughs> most of us never really understand how teen brain functions how adolescent brain functions most of the parents do not want to understand that you know uh, uh, in an adolescent brain uh, the the melatonin you know secretion is different we sleep because you know melatonin secretes and we wake up because our cortisol the stress hormone Uh, gets into uh, you know uh, kick it it kicks so just imagine if somebody is is sleeping around 10 30 11 o'clock in the night there is a melatonin natural evolutionary you know scientific bus inside us of sleep taking us to sleep so it comes at around 11 o'clock in in teen brain or in our brain 
and then some sometimes there is a difference between uh, you know an adolescent brain and adult brain but it comes say mm-hmm. around 11 o'clock there is a bus of melatonin secretion coming to take us to the sleep we miss it we are looking at a screen we are looking at white light mm-hmm. the melatonin system gets disturbed now mm-hmm. we sleep at 132 o'clock so we have missed the bus of melatonin secretion in the morning mm-hmm. cortisol secretion bus comes and it takes us to the world it makes sure that we mm-hmm. wake up and it peaks yeah. around 8 8 8:30 but people are mm-hmm. you know asleep even till 8:30 9 o'clock what is happening so we are missing the <laughs> melatonin bus in the, for sleeping we are you know missing the cortisol bus of waking up just imagine most of us if they would know this they would structure their lives better hmm it's just so true. that somehow hmm. lu i feel very passionate about this concept yeah in fact you know one of my books understanding emotions logically was on it and even mm. our e learning course talks about brain and behavior and i'm sure you know mm. on your podcast you talk about you know how how neuroscience concepts can be applied for psychological wellbeing why does this happen yeah. because at the end of the day science part of life is extremely important what we do is we do not want science we want just common sense dressed up and mm. it doesn't work beyond a limit mm. because whenever you try to find a temporary solution to a problem you make the problem permanent mm-hmm. it's better to have a permanent solution and a lot yeah. of it comes from science and i'm not saying spirituality is not science spirituality also is a form of science but mm. at the end of the day believe me let's mm. try to <laughs> understand how brain functions and you'll have a far more rich life thank you yeah thank you that's a really beautiful topic that we haven't talked on the show before and uh, we really thank you for sharing about it i'm sure um i myself have been hooked <laughs> thanks to that um little introduction and yeah i'll definitely learn more about it um especially neuroscience is fascinating to me uh, you know in the past few years and i'll definitely spend more time on it i'm sure our listeners who are interested will definitely do the same um and thank you so much for being here today talking about all things social intelligence it's such a great topic and we can go on you know probably until tomorrow if we can because there's just so much more to unpack um or this can even be its own weekly show you know um but uh, for today given the limited time we've learned as much as we could from you um Sandeep and you know I really appreciate your time especially after the first failed attempt um so you know we made it happen um and before we let you go uh, please share with our listener where they can find out more about your work and hopefully you get reached uh, you get reached out by a lot of our audience oh i think first of all uh, Lou, it was it was amazing being here i thoroughly enjoyed uh, and uh, you know when it comes to how people can reach me uh, well they can reach me through linkedin facebook instagram anywhere however if you want to specifically uh, go and check out uh, you know my work site then it is uh, www.socialigens.net so social s o c i a l i g e n c e dot net n e t uh you'll you'll actually get to find uh, uh you know a lot of stuff about emotional and social intelligence at the same time uh, you can actually visit uh, my youtube channel which is dr sandeep patre at socialigens again s o c i a l i g e n c and uh, you can actually watch uh, videos over there so mm-hmm. that's how you can reach me and again thank you oh, so perfect. much lu uh, i i thank genuinely you, think 
last time i was a little embarrassed because uh, because of my uh, you know laptop's uh, limited ram <laughs> <laughs> you know we could not have a session but today yeah. uh, thank you so much for rescheduling it and i enjoyed thoroughly yeah. thank you yeah thank you i mean last time we learned about the laptop's rams and its importance in oh. this recording and today i sort of learned about our brain's ram and how important it is for our yeah. social intelligence and other functions so thank you i thoroughly enjoyed it i would have loved to go on and on with this conversation um but yeah given the limit of time let's close it here and hopefully we have you we'll have you back some other time absolutely it'll be a pleasure coming back and thank you to the whole team thank you guys thank you uh, you know lu uh, thank you for having yeah. me here you've been listening to doing well the wellbeing science insights podcast produced by the wellbeing science labs a division of lmsl the life management science labs More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.